Well, hello there and welcome back to the show. You know, the past couple of years have been an incredible growth curve along this journey of motherhood with ADHD. And one of the most valuable things that I've learned is to listen more and teach less. Now, during this episode, author and podcast host Caitlin Mabry and I talk about empathizing, connecting, and collaborating alongside our kids as they navigate navigate their ADHD journey. We talk about starting with a find, foundational mindset. We talk about being a role model for our kids by working on our own mindset. We talk about choosing to be a responder over, over a reactor and arming your ADHD warrior with interests, a novelty, urgency, and doses of dopamine. Caitlin Mabry is a mama who lives in Wisconsin with her hubby and four kids. At the end, at the age of 10, she was diagnosed with ADHD. This started her on a journey of confusion and misunderstanding of what the diagnosis meant. After learning more about her diagnosis through, through the early childhood special education degree she was working through, this sparked her passion for working with kids who also have ADHD. She faced her weakness in reading to become a reading specialist and ended up teaching for seven years before staying home with her babies. Since then, she has published a best-selling children's book called Hi, It's Me, I Have ADHD, and launched The Journey With Me Through ADHD, a podcast for kids. She lives with ADHD with two of her kids diagnosed as well. She is growing as an ADHD coach and simply desires to speak to the hearts and minds of kids and families living with ADHD to help them learn and grow. But before we dig in, it, this is a really fun episode, but before we start, I wanted to share a word from our sponsor. Now, as a mom with ADHD, I am constantly challenged with clutter, paper, clothes, stuff, and I am sorry, Marie Kondo fans, her style just doesn't work for me. What does work for me is Krista Lockwood's step-by-step -step process. Krista is the founder of Motherhood Simplified and an ADHD mama herself who created this system based on her own life and needs. She has generously offered the vision-driven mom with ADHD community her powerful course bundle. Her step-by-step -step paper, clothes, and toys decluttering courses have been bundled and are immediately available at bit.ly.com forward slash VDM dash motherhood simplified. I mean, the paper course alone is worth its weight in gold. Krista is patient, thorough, and brilliant in her teachings, and I love that all of her content comes in audio, video, closed caption video, and transcription to meet all learning styles an ADHD mom's dream. So you can consume the content on the go from your phone or at your desk. And just so you know, I only recommend things that I have personal experience with and Krista and her courses are the real deal. So check out the offer and enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey there, Caitlin, and welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Great. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your journey first, about how you got to be doing what you're doing right now in the book and the podcast and all the things? Yes, it's quite the journey, <laughs> um, which Isn't is why, always, especially right? when you have ADHD, <laughs> that's why I have journey in my in my name or in the name of my podcast, because it really is a journey. And I'm sure yeah. we're going to get to talking about that a little bit later. But um, yeah, when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with ADHD and I remember coming out of the doctor's office. I remember sitting in the car and my parents kind of trying to explain it to me. And I just remember sitting there and feeling very alone. I felt like, what's wrong with me? What, you know, what does this mean? Um, am, am I not good enough? Am I not smart? Like all these thoughts came flooding in, right? And that kind of carried with me. Now, my parents did a fantastic job of trying to help me understand it and you know gave me tools and strategies the best that they knew how mm -hmm. but back then you know i was born in 1983 so back then there wasn't a lot out there on adhd and so um i did a lot of checklists and a lot of a lot of um reminders and all those things but you know travel through school i just remember reading was really hard and make maintaining friendships was tricky. I would make friends easily, but then maintaining friendships was was kind of hard and I didn't really understand why and I felt rejected a lot. And so now fast forward into college, I started learning about um, all different um, challenges. So I was an early childhood special ed major. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I learned about was ADHD. And so I started learning about my brain and it was fascinating. Um, and that's actually when I wrote my book, hi, it's me, I have ADHD, was in college, and I'll never forget my professor who happened to have ADHD. Oh, she sweet. comes, yeah, it was pretty cool. She came running down the aisle. She's like, you need to publish this book. And I was like, um, insecurities flooded in, right? right? And so I sat on it for 10 years. I sat on my book for 10 years, wow. and I just didn't feel confident enough to publish it. It's honestly kind of expensive. So I was like, do I really want to invest? Does anybody want to read this book? Right. Um, and so I met my husband. Um, we had my daughter, Elena. We had my daughter, Callie. So I have three girls and a boy. Mm -hmm. um, and so as I'm traveling through this newfound motherhood journey, again, challenges with my ADHD brain. Yeah. And um, then I decided, my husband looked at me one day and he's like, he said, Caitlin, if your book can help one child, it's worth mm. publishing it. Oh, what a lovely <laughs> husband. I know. <laughs> I know. And I was like, you're right. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. So I dove into that, that world, which is a whole new world. And so published my book, continued you know, through my journey. And as I was doing that though, so as I'm promoting and marketing my book, I'm learning more and more about my ADHD brain. And so, right. you know, throughout my life, it was almost like this, this path of learning and growing, learning and growing mm -hmm. about my ADHD brain. As I went, I taught kids with ADHD. So then I was able to see through another lens. Right. Then my eight-year-old daughter at the time, she was diagnosed with ADHD. So I was just seeing it from all these different angles. And so, mm -hmm. of course, I dove into researching about it. Right? right. So I wanted to know about how my brain was working, about how my daughter's brain was working and about how the kids that I was working with 
brains were working. And so I just really dove into researching all about ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day I had this vision in the shower, right? Do you get shower vision? Oh my gosh. The shower is the most amazing. <laughs> like I was just telling you, I was in the shower and I was thinking about, yeah. It's so funny. I know. I'm like, there's something about sho- warm shower, like just sitting there in a warm shower. I think it's a sensory. It's a full on sensory experience, like everything, right? All right. the senses. And there's and not much just, distracting you. Like you're exactly. just you're there your to shower, right? Okay. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I had this vision of speaking to children about their ADHD. And mm-hmm. one way to do that was I had the idea of doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's no other podcasts out there for kids with ADHD. Right. I mean, podcasting is kind of hard. I knew nothing about it. And again, flood of insecurity. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. But step by step growth, you know, growth step by growth step. I got to a point where I grew my confidence and I was like, I'm just going to do this because it's for the child. It's right. all about when you turn your eyes and focus on the why you're doing it, it's amazing how your confidence grows, you know? So that's when I launched about a year after that vision, I launched my um, podcast journey with me through ADHD. And so now I'm just kind of um, on this journey of, you know, growing in ADHD coaching business and, Mm -hmm. um, and just literally learning and growing every single day. Every day. Every day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Both as a professional, as a mom, my goodness, as a mom, the emotional regulation piece. So my, I have two daughters that are actually Mm -hmm. diagnosed with ADHD. And so between navigating my own ADHD and then helping them learn about theirs. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's quite uh, an adventure. (laughs) It is an adventure and every day, like you said, Mm because our kids are growing. And I don't, it it sounds to me, Caitlin, that you are like me in that, you know, actually when I've done the, the, uh, um, my core values, Mm -hmm. growth is my number one. So learning, always learning about researching, um, uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual growth. Like that is my, that's my jam. And then sharing it. And I absolutely love what your husband said. If you can help one child. And that's kind of, that's how I started in education as well. I was a preschool teacher before I had my kids actually started out, um, as a middle school teacher and then, um, and then decided there is no way (laughs) to do that. Somehow I ended up teaching preschool, but my, with being in education, if I could just touch one child, if I can help one child to not feel the way that I did throughout Mm -hmm. my childhood, yeah. And so, and I'm curious about, cause I didn't find out about my ADHD until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. So at that point, and, and, and still now I'm realizing that all of this self-help personal development, like I've been reading books on self-help and personal development since I was a teen, you know, mm-hmm. I just continually. Um, but I realized, and I just kind of made this connection recently that all of the learning that I've done over my life, over the the expanse of my life has been to treat my ADHD, even before I even realized that I was treating my ADHD or managing it, you know, like all of the, the little things I think um, we were talking about all the, the, uh, 
um, the little things that the checklists and the things I think we talked about that before we um, before we hit record. But all of those things, there there are coping mechanisms, right? Mm -hmm. They're the way that we, and sometimes they seem a little odd you know, <laughs> to right. other people. Like you know what? It's it's, it's my jam. It's my thing. Right. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to like it. So I'm curious. It, I love that you come at this work from so many different angles with with experience from so many different angles that's huge you know having adhd having kids who and girls too right because that's a whole that's a whole different thing you know when i was in um when i was a preschool teacher now this was kind of before we really knew it was back when we were calling um when we we were still labeling asperger's Right. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of we we knew that there was something off, but we weren't necessarily calling it ADHD, but mostly boys, especially mm -hmm. in preschool. Right. Yep. And girls, you know, I kept it together, but inside I mm -hmm. was a mess. And what you were talking about, about the um, about the friendships and about the um, about just keeping it together, you know, mm -hmm. and keeping yourself and feeling that huge those huge waves of insecurity and mm -hmm. um I, and i think i think everybody has that but i think we as um women and moms especially with adhd we tend to doubt everything mm -hmm. yeah so tell, tell me a little bit about that um that that lens from you have a you have a lens on adhd from three different angles how how do you tell, tell us a little bit about that well, and I wanted to touch on the whole girl thing, because mm -hmm. I think so often, I mean, especially since I'm just completely engulfed in the ADHD community and world now, yeah. um, so many women are getting diagnosed at later right. ages and stages. And um, having this lens, I see why. And that's because girls tend to um, develop coping strategies more naturally mm. than boys do okay. from my experience and from, because um, people will say to me, you don't seem like you have ADHD. Right. I'm like, well, you don't see the inside of my brain. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. You don't know what's going on in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so for instance, my five-year-old, she has ADHD. Um, at school, she holds it together, right? She says to me, mommy, I don't want you to come on a field trip because I don't want to be sad when you leave. Mm. And that self-awareness, right? Like she knows she can hold it together when I'm not there. But right. she knows her big emotions are going to take over if I'm there and then have to leave. So she's very self-aware of that. At you five. Know, at five. That and is we brilliant. do a lot of talking about big emotions and, you know, right. that regulation piece. And, you know, um, and yeah, so at five. But that's just an example, mm -hmm. right? And all my girls are very hyper emotional. They all have struggles with emotional regulation. Yeah. And so we work on that a lot in our house. Mm -hmm. I sometimes struggle with my own emotional regulation. And so yeah. having that lens, we're able to have those conversations. And I think that's where the benefit lies is I'm able to say to them, mommy's having a hard time with my emotions, my mm -hmm. big feelings. And so this is what I'm going to do differently. This time. I'm going to walk away because mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I'm going to yell and I don't want to yell. And so I'm going to, you know, and so trying to help them develop those strategies and those emotions, because a lot of times girls in public, they learn very quickly 
how to cope and how to appear like they're doing just fine. Mm -hmm. But then when they feel safe at home, they let it all out. You know, it's that whole when teachers say, oh, your child's an angel in school. And then you're like, really? Are you sure we're talking about this? Right, right. Um, But it's because they feel safe and they feel like they can release all of those big emotions when they get into that safe space. So um, does that answer your question? It does. It does. Because you're able to see it from, I I remember as a teacher too, um, um, as kind of sitting back and observing and learning from my kids that I, that I found out later, we knew something was up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But finding out later, I had this one, I had this one kid who, um, who told his aunt, this was years later that he was on swim team. And he said, swimming makes me feel like I'm at church. Like that was his, you know, like swimming is, it's so amazing for, for, um, for, everybody, but especially those with those of us who are neurodiverse, I don't know Mm -hmm. the pressure of the water, the, um, and I I almost wonder too, if it's the, you know, that, what do you call it? The pro the, the opposites when Mm -hmm. you're, um, when you're using the opposite, um, the, I can't remember. I remember my son was crossing the mid, like the midline. Yeah. Crossing Crossing. the midline and just like Mm -hmm. all of the things that the swimming was just amazing Mm -hmm. for him. But, um, but being able to use some of those, um, some of those uh, things that I learned in the classroom with my kids, the, we, we were kind of a Montessori-ish um, school and, um, and used, you know, the, the talking through. And here's what we know, right, is that our kids are watching us all the time. Mm-hmm. They're watching right. what, what we do, telling them to do something. Um, they're... They might do it, but they're more likely to do what they see us doing. Like you saying, I'm having a really big emotion right now and I'm going to walk away <laughs> because I don't want to yell at you. Mm-hmm. And then one day you might hear them saying the same thing, you know, right. and exactly. it, it's not like, you know, it's not a given. It's maybe not happened, you know, um, while they're in the home with you for 18 years, but likely at some point, the more that we do it, the more that we practice it the more they're going to, to express that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit what, about what a foundational mindset is? So this was a epiphany aha moment when I was mm-hmm. working with um, a teen actually with ADHD and I was trying to help his mom had hired me to help both work with him on reading, but also work with him on his ADHD challenges. And I was trying to, you know, help him understand his brain a little bit better and help him apply tools and strategies and kept feeding him tools and strategies, feed him tools and strategies and nothing was sticking. Mm. And I'm like, gosh, what is, what is it? What's missing? You know? And the more I would talk to his mom and the more I would talk to him, I was like, oh my goodness, he has a fixed mindset. His mindset is so fixed that he's not able to apply these tools and strategies Mm. because his brain puts on the brakes, you know, the second he tries to go there. So when I realized this, I was like, this needs to be the foundation Mm -hmm. because those of us with ADHD just naturally are driven towards a fixed mindset, sadly, but true. Right. I mean, and so that fixed mindset, that ruminating, those ruminating thoughts, we're just kind of 
we kind of go down that path mm-hmm. with if if we don't if we aren't mindful about it, right? Right, right? So I think what's so important is that the foundation of our growth should be our mindset. Mm-hmm. Like oh, if we're going to, if we're going to grow in any of the other challenge areas of our lives, mm-hmm. we need to intentionally work on where our thoughts are and mm. where our thoughts are taking us. Oh, Caitlin, you are speaking my language, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that you that that was that realization that yeah, we can't go anywhere as long as you don't believe or not necessarily believe, but you're not willing to mm-hmm. to you know, and and that takes time and practice and and a willingness on the kids right. part too right so how what do you do when you when you come up against a kid that's just have you come up against a kid that that is just like Mm-mm, not moving <laughs> not growing yeah not <laughs> no, growing not gonna grow here well and that's the thing is every child grows at a different pace and a different rate and so i think there's a patient element there mm-hmm. that we need to be um i mean even my own kids will kind of put on the give me a hand in the face of no i don't want to work on my mindset and so um i think with that we need to you know really lean into the fact that we can be a model for them Mm-hmm. and work on our own mindset. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we can't force kids to do anything, right? We can only teach them and lead them and guide them. Um, and so I think modeling it, I'll never forget my professor when I got my master's as a reading specialist, my professor said one of the greatest um, things we can do as an educator is model for our kids right it's the most underestimated strategy to use because mm-hmm. a lot of times parents and teachers will be like well they need to figure it out by themselves or right. they need to do it on their own you know mm-hmm. but there's power in modeling yeah you know and it helps especially with adhd because with adhd they're they're coming up against um a struggle with their executive function skills like getting started on tasks completing tasks Right. working memory with tasks. Like there's mm-hmm. so many different things that sometimes come against them that yeah. if they can have a model to follow or a model to encourage them to take that first step, mm-hmm. it just gives so much more confidence to them. So Caitlin, that is, I, I love that because the, the tendency is for us so we get you know we our, our child gets a, the the ADHD diagnosis or whatever and immediately we want to go and and fix them right i remember when my son was um gosh he was 18 months old when we um right right around 2 18 months 2 years old um when we he we we he was diagnosed with sensory processing disorder um in a big way <laughs> <laughs> he was a, I got a new right from birth and the colic and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, my first, my initial, my initial response was, we're going to, we need to fix this. We need to fix mm-hmm. him. Right. It t- took a long time for me to realize that I needed to take care of my own stuff first. Mm-hmm. I need to take care of my own emotional regulation before I can like, you know, yelling at a kid to stop yelling. <laughs> 
is not right. really an effective <laughs> strategy. Right. You know? Right. And, and I love what you're saying about how we have to, in kind of turning it back inward. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel like when, when we first start seeing signs of something's off or when we first get that diagnosis that we do need to go in because mm-hmm. we need all that we can, what we need, all that we can muster to help them to make the, to, first of all, to fight, find the right path for mm-hmm. them. Right. Because, yep. you know, we had the little conversation at the beginning before we, we hit record about how often the first, um, the first, uh, the, the go-to is medication. And that mm-hmm. is not necessarily that, that may be a part of the whole picture, mm-hmm. um, but it's not necessarily the one thing. And we tend to go to that one thing, but when we can turn it around and go back into ourselves and what am I modeling? That is, that's like the basis of my life. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I do what I do. You're talking about the why, like when you have your why you can, you can go far. Um, but that turning it back in and what am I modeling for my kids? Exactly. How can I, how can I get my shit together? <laughs> right. How am I supposed right. to t- have, at, tell my kid to get theirs together at school when right. I can't get my own together and right. I'm raising my hand. I'm, you know, it's an every day, like you were talking about, it's every day learning every day. Um, you know, working through those, the executive functioning skills in my own life. But, right. but really, I mean, you just, you just kind of opened that up to, yeah, what are we modeling? You know, and right. it's not easy, especially when we have ADHD. Um, right. Just, just the other day I was telling my husband, I was like, I'm just having one of those days. Like, I just feel weepy. I'm not, I can't really pinpoint it. And this is for me, this is part of my, um, my ADHD and my emotional roller coaster. <laughs> but, right. but here's the thing, when we can regulate those emotions and for our kids too, then they can use the other skills. Then right. we can help them use the other skills. Then we right. can more effectively help, uh, help guide them and help guide ourselves in finding the right treatments and solutions and um, and what's right for our kids and ourselves. So, oh my gosh, so much, exactly, so much in that. Well, and I was going to say with tying into that, this is where a lot of, I, I coach my, my parents and my kiddos uh, or my parents on how to be responders versus reactors. Mm, so, so often as parents, we react, right? right. We, rea- we react to a diagnosis. We react to behavior. We react to what's going on in our environment. And that's the whole inward reflection, right? Right. Like, what am I, what am I projecting with my reaction? And so being more mindful of that. So we be, can we become responders because reactors, you go into a toxic cycle with your child, right? Where when you become a responder and you respond to their behavior, that's when you go into a growth cycle. Mm -hmm. So Mm. it's, it's that change of, um, that shift from become being mindful of reacting and shifting into becoming a responder. And with that, um, I talk a lot about how it's so important, especially when you have ADHD, whether you have it or not, as a parent talking to a child with ADHD, if you can empathize with them and say, Mm -hmm. gosh, I see you have big emotions, right? I have big emotions sometimes too, right? So they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel semi-understood, and then you connect with them. Because one connection I feel like is 
the key to everything. If you can connect with a child and they can feel seen and heard and understood, you're going to get better results in terms of, you know, helping them learn and grow through their challenges. Right. Right. So, you know, I have this whole model of empathy, connection, and then collaboratively problem solving alongside your child. Mm. Cause so often we want to, you know, tell our child what to do, or, you know, you need to go do this, or you need to, you know, figure out how to calm down, you know, like we kind of throw demands at them, but when they feel that you're coming alongside them and you're saying, Mm. okay, bud, okay, sweetie, what's going on here? How can like my daughter, Alina, she is very now aware of her emotional dysregulation. And so we've talked countless hours about, you know, what's something you could do differently next time. So you don't explode on your sister or, and she's found, she came out to me yesterday and she said, mom, I found something to help me find my calm. And I said, oh, what is it, sweetheart? She's like drawing, drawing really helps me calm my mind and body down. I love that. And I was like, I love that, sweetheart. And so she, like, she's ve- just creating that self awareness in your kids, I think is just so important. And it isn't overnight. It's not an mm-hmm. overnight thing. It takes the time right. and it's frustrating and it's draining sometimes, but it's worth those conversations and it's worth, um, you know, the modeling and the, the shifting from a reactor to a responder. It's worth all, all that work that you put in. I love that shifting, that shifting from responder to reactor because it's, that's what it did. We, we just, we notice and then we shift and we notice and then we shift. It's it, sometimes it's a hundred times a day and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so your, so your daughters are five and eight. Are those the two? Is that what you said? My one daughter is now 10. She got diagnosed when she was eight. Okay. Okay. So what a beautiful thing for your daughters, especially who don't, you know, um, mine was not diagnosed until sixth grade. Um, although I had been asking teachers, like you said earlier, I've been asking teachers since kindergarten, do mm-hmm. you see this? Do you see this? What do you see? And they're like, Nope, not, no, nothing. I see nothing. And she does well, you know, mm-hmm. she's, she's, she, and she wants to do well in school. Um, but that your daughter's are already learning this at five and eight. I mean, you know, that that they were diagnosed sooner, which I'm sure had something to do with you and having more awareness. Um, but but what a beautiful thing to know at five or ten what helps calm you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because a lot of us, like like we were talking earlier, Lots of women, lots of moms these days. I feel like the the pandemic kind of like, kind of like uh, took the the lid off of everything that wasn't working, and all of these, you know, the the way the schools are run, for instance, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a whole other topic. But yeah. now all these moms getting diagnosed, you know, as adults, imagine what what their lives would have been. And I think about what my life would have been if I had some of these coping skills. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Well, so, and uh, because I have a five and 10 year old, my five year old is at the beginning of her journey. She was right. just diagnosed months ago. Mm-hmm. And so she has a hard time with her emotional regulation. She's at the beginning, right? right. So, but it kind of shows the growth pattern because yeah. now I have a 10 year old who's more in touch with it. Right. 
right? So I had the five-year-old who every day is kind of like, oh, wow, those are lots of big emotions, you know? Right, <laughs> right. And she just doesn't, but she's, the awareness is starting to be there, mm-hmm. right? Like she'll make comments like, I can't calm down. You know, like she'll, she's starting to be aware of it. Now, has she found a strategy that works for her yet? Not yet, yeah. but that's okay because yeah. she's learning every time she has a meltdown, mm-hmm. what it feels like. And, you know, I can help direct her into something that might work. And sometimes it does calm her and sometimes it does, you know, so we're kind of in that, again, it's like growing pains. It's that you kind of trial and error and try new things. And you, that's, what's tricky with ADHD. Every child is different. Right. Every child responds different to different things. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, in different ages and stages, things mm-hmm. are different as well. Absolutely. Um, but what was I going to say? I lost it. Okay, lost. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> Cause it's just my mind. Um, it was, it was about, um, oh, awareness at five years old. Are you kidding me? Self-awareness. I mean, that's where it starts. You can't change anything without self-awareness. So hooray, mama. <laughs> nice job. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Day by day. <laughs> yes. I mean, and it is, right? It, it's day by day for all of us. And um, it's different for all of us. And I think mm-hmm. that's the, that's the, uh, that's the tricky part, right? Mm-hmm. And what works with one child is not necessarily going to work with the other child. And we know this in parenting anyway, but when you add the ADHD component, it's it's even, it kind of feels like it's even more vast. <laughs> it's true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. So, um, so what is the right armor or finding the right armor armor for your ADHD warrior? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So I kind of coined the term ADHD warrior on my podcast because uh-huh. I thought it was a nice visual for kids yeah. um, to kind of grab onto. Um, and I mean, what little boy doesn't love to be a warrior? And honestly, what girl doesn't love to be a warrior? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, there's so much, again, every child has different pieces of armor that they put on that work for them. Yeah. But I have this image of a, of a warrior all dressed in armor and then he's holding a sword mm-hmm. and on the sword, there's four things. And I think these are the four things that if parents are aware of them and they implement them into different areas in different environments, they'll see success with their child. Mm. Um, four things that a child with ADHD craves and responds well to um, is interests, tying in their interests. Mm -hmm. So whatever their interest is. So as a reading specialist, I work with kids with ADHD and I literally let them lead our lessons. So whatever their brain is fixated on, Mm -hmm. that's what we read about. And that's what we work. You know, I use that. I, I really um, lean into that interest and tie it into different things that I want them to learn. Right. So interest. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. Um, The next thing is novelty. Mm. So, um, if a lot of times, so for instance, my 10 year old, she loves to change a room around the novelty. She's craving that novelty. So if we can create novelty, I try to teach um, educators this because in a classroom, a lot of times it's just the same. And so an ADHD brain gets bored with that. And so if they can somehow tie in novelty to their classroom environment, 
that will help that student thrive more in that environment. Okay. Um, and even novelty with, with learning. Yeah. So let's say you're teaching a child one way, and this is where it can get tricky in school because they're teaching according to a curriculum and it's teaching them one way to do something. But if right. their brain isn't, isn't having it that way, <laughs> you know, it might just take a shift. It might take a novelty, like using manipulatives or, you know, finding a different way to teach them that skill might be the the key mm, to right to them learning it right um and then the next thing is urgency mm -hmm. so kids with ADHD crave urgency and so a lot of times you'll find parents find success with having like a visual timer and visual is the key because we were time blind and we have time management struggles and so the the visual is the key so if they see that little red i don't know if you know you guys know what the visual i know here yeah yep so you twist it and it turns red mm -hmm. like say you say okay let's see if you can get dressed before the red runs out mm -hmm. you know so that creates a sense of urgency for them right and their brain that makes their brain happy. <laughs> and so they're going to be more focused on doing that task because that urgency has been created. Okay. Um, and then the last thing, and this is huge, is a lot of us with ADHD are low in dopamine mm -hmm. and we crave that dopamine. And so um, implementing movement, um, a lot of music, having spontaneous dance parties we love to have those in our house mm -hmm, you know right. creating those um opportunities for what i call doses of dopamine yep <laughs> will doses help of dopamine. um yep so like let's say your kiddo comes home from school and you're like okay sit down and do your homework they might completely melt down on you because right. their dopamine's low they they're already exhausted from a full day of school right and so being mindful of that you say okay what can i do to tie in interests, to create, you know, to give them a dopamine, do a dose of dopamine mm -hmm. to, you know, create urgency. So maybe wait a little bit, have them play outside for a little bit, um, look at their assignments, see how you can make it fun, see if initiating the assignment might be helpful to them. So mm. just finding ways um, that help your child's brain thrive and succeed right. is the key. That's, that's the armor that we can help them put on every day. I absolutely love that for our kids, but also for ourselves. I'm thinking yep. as you're going through this <laughs> list, I'm like, yep, it has, to, it has to be interesting and it has to be novel, always seeking something new, has yep. to be urgent because I'm. that's just how we roll, right? Mm -hmm. And the dopamine hit, that is brilliant. I love that. I mean, what if we just like, okay, let's just make sure that we're adding this into our day. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, for uh, so you're talking, you're talking about educationally, but I'm, I'm thinking like broad, <laughs> you know, like so true. Yeah. yeah into every day. Okay. Yeah. So if there is one thing that our listeners could do right now, what would you suggest that they do? Well, I think identifying and, um, identifying where your mindset's at, because mm. that's the foundation, Right. right. And I think so often we skip right to the armor <laughs> and we're not looking. So all of a sudden we're on the sandy foundation and everything's sinking because, and so I think the number one thing that every ADHD warrior, whether you're an adult to a child mm -hmm. need to work on is 
where is your mindset at? And keep doing that thought work every day. Right. And not just the, I mean, there's that, you know, conscious and subconscious thought. So just Mm -hmm. being mindful of both of those states of thought. Um, There's something called, this was a huge thing that I really want listeners to hear because I think as an adult, it's important to know and Mm -hmm. having a child with this is important to know. Um, A huge percentage of those of us with ADHD struggle with something called rejection sensitivity disorder. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a word for that, but I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Correct. And yeah. so, exactly. It all of a sudden had a name when I was an adult. And I was like, it's called something. Like, right. I totally right. do that. And I think that hypersensitivity rejection. It just takes us down such a negative thought pattern and yeah. that, I mean, it triggers our rumination. It triggers our fixed thinking. I mean, that rejection sensitivity, just, it it makes friendships harder. Yeah. You know, there's so many different areas that that affects. So if we can get a handle on that rejection sensitivity mm. and identify it, talk back to it, right. you know, is this true? Is mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. So for instance, my, that neighbor, is my favorite question. Is it true? Is this true? Mm -hmm. So my neighbor walked by and I smiled and waved and she didn't. Right. So in my head, she's mad at me. Did I say something wrong? Like all of a sudden I just, well, this was years of me feeling rejected by this neighbor who's now one of my best friends. Yeah. And, um, finally I addressed it with her. The more I, you know, researched about rejection sensitivity. It's like, you got to face it head on Mm -hmm. and kind of tackle it down. And I talked to her about it and she was like, Oh my gosh, Keelan, I just have so much on my mind. Sometimes I'm just not, you know, complete. No, you didn't do anything. You didn't say anything wrong. Like, I love you. You're, you know, and so now just facing it head on and Mm -hmm. naming it and, you know, addressing it right away for what it is and, talking back to it, like, mm, well, that's just not true. You know, right, right. what is true is she probably has a lot on her mind, yeah. you know, and 90% of the time we think some, or we think someone's thinking something, they're not thinking it. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and I so. love that you bring that up and it's for, for us mm-hmm. as well as for our kids. Exactly. I mean, the amount mm-hmm. of the number of perceived rejections, especially at school when kids are already struggling is going to be huge. And it takes, what do they say that, that for every, for every negative, it takes like five positives or something like that. That's a, I mean, that's a lot, especially when they're already feeling that way. And then they hear this and the, Oh, I, you know, I was corrected. I remember, I remember that as a kid too, it was being corrected. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. she doesn't like me. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Everything about yep. me is wrong, right? Caitlin, this has been an amazing conversation. You have given us so much um, to really consider. And I really love that ADHD warrior. Um, and I'm I'm going to, um, I'm going to put them, I'll put it on one of my sticky notes and put it somewhere <laughs> on the cabinet on the in the kitchen so that I can see it every day. So I'm, I remember that, oh, if I bring these four things into my life and into my kid's life every day, then maybe that will just help with the shift, right? Mm-hmm. With the, the yeah. you know, when we're, we're, um, we're uh, helping our minds to focus better. So can you tell us about a time in motherhood when you either overcame something or you achieved something that initially just felt impossible? Um, 
that's a it's such a good question and i feel like i feel like just over the years i have now i i feel like as moms we never arrive right we're always continually <laughs> growing yeah but i feel like i've gotten better at that whole emotional regulation piece mm -hmm. so I used to have a super short fuse and I wouldn't even address it before. And um, I yelled a lot more. I, and it was almost like an out of body experience. Like I would just explode, you yeah. know? And I feel like now if those things do happen, but when they do, it becomes a learning opportunity rather mm. than a shaming moment oh i love that right so like that. i went yeah. from shaming my i'm a horrible mom right you know i hate my so i think it's more of an internal mindset growth mm -hmm. that's taken place as i've gotten um as i've traveled through motherhood of going from shame to okay giving myself grace in the moment yeah. and saying okay how can i learn and grow both myself and help my kids you know learn and grow from this Right. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh. I, I love that you um, that you brought that that because I think that's something that all of us struggle with. Right. The mm -hmm. I am a horrible I have really messed up my kids. Right. I, like yeah. I am and just being kind and OK, I have enough like every day I, I can continue to shift into that growth mindset. And mm -hmm. oh, and that noticing I love that that you uh, talked about er earlier, that noticing that, oh, I'm in a fixed mindset right now. Okay, mm -hmm. when I'm in a fixed and that and kind of having that dialogue with yourself when I'm in a fixed mindset, nothing's going to change and nothing's going to get better as long as I stay in this mindset. Correct. Caitlin, again, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really I feel like we need to have you back on again and kind of go a little bit deeper in some of the things that we talked about. Um, can you tell our listeners how they can find you? Yeah, um, you could visit my website which is just www.caitlinmaybree.com. Mm -hmm. And if you want to hop on my email list, that's kind of my, I'm a work in progress. Um, it's not some, it's something that hopefully by the time you all hear this interview, it's going to be up and running. I'm trying to create a system right mm -hmm. now for my email list, but I would love for you to jump on that because I have a lot of fun things in the works in terms yeah. of group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching and a lot of, you know, free resources. Um, you can find my, sorry, you can find my, you can find my podcast journey with me through ADHD, a podcast for kids on any of your favorite podcasts. Um, what are they called? Like podcasts, episodes, episodes, or is that what you're no. like oh, podcasts. um, uh, platforms, I guess. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can find my, you can find my podcast journey with me through ADHD on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also on Instagram a lot. That's kind of primarily well where you're, you'll find me and that's journey with me through ADHD as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I hop over to Facebook once in a while, but I'm primarily on Instagram. So those are the places you can find me. Okay, perfect. And definitely, um, definitely check Caitlin out. Um, the podcast is fantastic and it's for kids, right? That's what I love. Um, and her book. Uh, tell me, the uh, I have it. Like I said, it's, That's okay. <laughs> it's over here. <laughs> um, hi, it's me. I have ADHD. Hi, it's me. I have ADHD. Brilliant. 
I mean, Thank so you. it's super simple, which is great simple. for the ADHD mm-hmm. mind, um, but really meaningful. So definitely check out the book, check out, um, check out Instagram too. Caitlin does um, lots of fun stuff on her, um, on her Instagram page. And Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your brilliance with our, our listeners today. And like I said, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, um, we'll, we'll check back in in six months or so and have you on again and share some more. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to be back. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Thanks. Goodbye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. To get started on your Vision Driven Mom journey, go to visiondrivenmomwalk.com to download the Vision Walk audio guide. Join the collective of moms with ADHD moving their bodies and their lives forward and leaving overwhelm behind. Anything is possible, even for the mom with ADHD. Goodbye for now.